Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Today's topic is one that is common to us all, including Jesus. Our Teach Us to Pray sermon series continues. First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun teaches us about unanswered prayer. Well, as we continue our How to Pray series, we come into one of the most difficult topics, uh, but at the same time, it is the one of great interest. Uh, in fact, today is an overview, and after Easter, we hope to do a series on this to go even deeper and further. It is the subject of unanswered prayer. Why doesn't God answer our prayers the way we want him to? And notice how I framed it. It's not that God doesn't answer my prayers, because God always listens to our prayers, and he does answer them, but often our problem is that he is not doing it the way we want him to. And you've heard me teach on this before, that God always answers our prayers with a, um, either a no, not yet, uh, or a no, or a not yet, or yes, I thought you'd never ask, and yes, there's even more than what you asked for. And um, what, but what bothers Christians and non-Christians is why God doesn't answer it the way we want or expect him to. We don't like the no's or the not yet. And here's the dilemma for many people. If God is all-loving and all-knowing and all-powerful and we are his children, why won't he protect us from all pain or at least severe pain and save our loved ones from illness or addiction or death or help us get money or help uh, or secure that job or help me get the spouse that I've always wanted or the home or apartment I want or the pregnancy that I desire. And um, that paragraph I just said uh, probably doesn't cover everything, but it covers most of the anguish I believe people have when they feel God has not addressed their pain. And so I'm going to attempt to walk through this topic layer by layer by giving a coherent biblical context and response to unanswered prayer. For the first layers, I will go rather quickly, but then slow down when we get to the deeper levels. If you're taking notes, here's my first point. My first point is this. We live in a world where there is sin and human imperfection. And there may be a slide there, I don't know. Um, hence, there is a lot of heartache due to injustice and unfaithfulness and cheating and selfishness and addiction and greed. And this is the world we live in. And this causes pain. There is high probability we will have pain in this world. But much of the emotional pain we experience, we may have actually at times, inflicted on ourselves. Um, it may start out as physical choices. You know, we drink too much, eat the wrong kinds of food, drive too fast, and that can cause emotional pain. If we lie and cheat, uh, that will cause pain. Immorality causes pain, and there are people and there are systems that will cause us pain. And this is the pain that stresses our mental health. But there is also the physical pain that just comes from biology. 
Uh, our bodies are imperfect and not immortal. We can sprain or break ankles. We can get arthritis. We can get a disease. Uh, our veins can get clogged up by too much cholesterol. Uh, may have nothing to do with sin, but it's just that's how our bodies operate. And often a disease, an injury, or a trauma can lead to death, and we pray for God to stop it. My second point is this. We live in a world created by God that follows immutable principles of nature. Plants need water. No water, they die. Drive fast on a slippery road, and it might cause death. Uh, take too much of a certain drug or a beverage or eat too much food or a certain kind of food, you might die. If a mango tree falls on you, you will probably die. Uh, gravity is an immutable law. Jump from too high a place and you will break your bones or die. And certain disease or breakdown of our organs will mean bad things will happen. And God created this world with physical, scientific laws that cannot be changed. And God will rarely intervene to change the rules. Now, sure, Jesus walked on water and changed water into wine. However, that's the exception, not the rule. British theologian and author of the Narnia Chronicles, C.S. Lewis, wrote that God can and does, on occasions, modify the behavior of matter and produce what we call miracles is part of the Christian faith. However, the very conception of a common and therefore stable world demands that these occasions should be extremely rare. So now we come to the next point that begins to uncover the whole problem of pain. If we really think about it, we come to perhaps an unusual conclusion. We don't want bodies that feel no pain. Leprosy is a horrible disease. A leper cannot feel pain. They might cut themselves with a knife and not feel it, and as a result, bleed to death. And at some point, digits might fall off. It, um, if lepers put their hands in a fire, they might not feel it, and it obviously would cause irreparable damage. We don't want to live a life of zero physical or emotional pain. Pain is part of our warning system to stop doing something or to take care of an in injury. Having no emotional pain would mean we're a rock or a robot. So here comes point number four. Pain can have a good purpose. When we exercise, we do want some pain. The burn of our muscles means we are making our muscles stronger. And some emotional pain is good for us. It points us to the hope that we can have in God. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Rome, put it this way in the fifth chapter of what he calls um, the book of, of what we call the book of Romans. He wrote this. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Well, that's good. And endurance produces character. That's good. And character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Now, don't miss that 
word in the key last verse, hope. When you truly follow Christ, the Holy Spirit is poured into you to give you hope, even in the midst of pain and despair. For the Bible also says in Proverbs 13:6, hope deferred makes the heart sick. God gives you hope so your heart won't grow sick. And sometimes our emotional pain is incredibly high. But please don't misunderstand me when I say this, but that incredibly high pain, let's say the loss of a loved one, comes from a good place because of love. You love that person. Um, as you may know, recently on January 7, uh, my dog, 10-year-old Molly, unexpectedly died. Um, I cried for five days in a row. Uh, I didn't realize how painful that is to lose a pet. And there was a big hole in my heart, and, and the pain was immense because I loved her. Now, going deeper, some of you lost a spouse or a child or a grandparent or uncle or aunt or friend, and you were or are today emotionally fraught. But you are in pain, I would say, because of love, a deep love for a loved one. It hurts, but it is a pain from love. Now, with that prelude, that foundation, that context, let's go deeper into the issue of unanswered prayer. My next point is this. Everyone experiences un unanswered prayer, including Jesus. And you say, what? <laughs> Jesus is God. What do you mean he experienced unanswered prayer? So now we come to our main passage. So please stand if you're able as I read to you from the word of God, from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, beginning with verse 39. And it says this. Jesus came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he reached the place, he said to them, pray that you may not come into the time of trial. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. And in his anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. When he got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping because of grief. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. And while he was still speaking, suddenly a crowd came and the one called Judas, one of the 12, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, is it with a kiss that you are betraying the Son of Man? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Now, remember when we read the Bible, we're just normally getting sound bites. Jesus was praying a long time in what is called the Garden of Gethsemane. But today in this gospel, we only get a line or two of what he said to God, but I'm sure his prayer was a lot longer. But the impact of those few lines are tremendous. Jesus is asking if God the Father 
can change the entire course and purpose of his life by passing the cup of his will from his lips. Meaning, do I have to do what you have called me to do in this life. He was basically saying, Father God, you have a great purpose, a divine purpose for me, but do I have to do that? Because if I do what you want me to do, to live a righteous life and to live for others, that will mean I'm going to have to go through horrific pain from torture and then crucifixion. I'm pleading with you, Father, Please, don't make me do this. Take the cup of your will from my lips. Please. But Jesus doesn't get the answer he wants. He then goes back to check on the disciples in the garden, um, whom he told to stay awake, but they are sleeping. So he says, wake up, keep praying, keep praying for me, because God is not giving me the answer I want. Jesus then leaves them to again pray to Father God, to ask the same thing because he didn't get the answer that he wanted. And three times he prayed, God, take this cup of your will from my lips. Please, why are you not answering me? How is Jesus praying? Strenuously, fervently, passionately, traumatically. He was so emotionally distraught, praying that his sweats of his sweat was drops of blood. It's called hemotodrosis. It's where the capillaries around the sweat glands actually rupture because your body is going through extreme anxiety or distress. And perhaps we have not sweated drops of blood like Jesus, but we have been in that arena where we have pleaded with God, please save my child, save my marriage, save my spouse, save my friends, save my job. And God doesn't give Jesus the answer he wants, which would be to bail, to hit the eject button of God's plan for his life. And notice in our passage, God does send an angel. But what was the purpose of, of this messenger from heaven? Now, here's the clue. Notice, it wasn't to reverse Father God's life plan for Jesus. It was to encourage him and strengthen him to stay in the game. And you ready for this? To keep praying. Perhaps you're in the midst of extreme pain at this moment. I'll say, keep talking to God. Keep trusting him. Keep praying, or as we say, keep it simple. Keep it going. Keep it real. Friends, the greatest thing you can do for someone who is in the whirlpool of disappointment, for unanswered prayer, is to help your friend stay in the game, to keep talking to him, and try to have him keep talking to God and to trust him. After three unanswered prayers of how Jesus wanted it to go, Jesus got to a place where he would accept the Father's will and be obedient to be arrested, go to a court trial, be convicted, be tortured, and then be crucified. All for our sake. 
And on the cross, if you remember, Jesus had one more unanswered prayer when he asked God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now here's where we're getting to the deep, deep truth of the universe. God never forsakes us. It might feel like it, but he never forsakes us. Our challenge is to be obedient, nothing more, nothing less. And if we can stay faithful and trust him, we will see how we'll all work out in the end, not how we wanted it to, but it will somehow be for the best. I remember my friend Anna, who was in my previous church in California, we had prayed and prayed and prayed that um, she would be healed from a disease that put her in a wheelchair. And then one day she passed away. And friends gathered. And some said, oh, our prayers didn't work. She didn't get healed. But one person said, no, our prayers were answered. We wanted full healing for her. And now she's in heaven. And she is healed and freed from that wheelchair. And one person added in a humorous way, and Anna is really happy now because she's organizing potluck dinners in heaven, which she loved to do. Now that's the heavenly view, a true view. Not so much about the potluck dinners, but that Anna did receive full healing, but not in this world, but in the next. The trouble we have with unanswered prayer is that we always want it from the earth level human view of health or riches or fame or immortal life for loved ones. But we desperately need to change our human view to living a life of prayer and having the heavenly view. In that sense, there are no unanswered prayers. We just need to move from our human view to our heavenly view. So we need, let me say it again, we need to move from our human view to a heavenly view. The human view is always partial, incomplete. We need to trust God that in the midst of the pain and the dreams that we manufactured for ourselves to happen, that our Heavenly Father actually now has a life plan for us of a future and a hope. We can't see it, but we need to trust him. Psalm 23, um, which is read often in memorial services, has this very important line. Um, imagine, actually, I'm doing a memorial service after the second service today. You know, here I am in a memorial service facing hundreds of loved ones who are grieving that their loved ones, loved one has died. And then I read the line, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. That's kind of King James. Now, can we get to a point in our faith where even when death comes, we will fear no evil from God? And we accept and receive his will, his guidance via the good shepherd's rod and staff, and trust that he will, if we let him, comfort us. 
Notice the verse says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You're not to stop in the valley of your grief or death or the valley of unanswered prayers. Don't stop. Don't loiter. Don't wallow in self-pity. You are to walk through that dark valley. Keep on keeping on. As Christian Schroppel preached last week, know the value of intercession of many of your friends who are praying for you. Don't stay in the death of your dream of how you thought life would be. Keep walking through that dark time to get a a place where you can receive God's comfort and guidance. Walk through. I was listening um, to author John Mark Comer recently, and he said something that really hit me, intrigued me. He said, we Christians think that if we really pray hard and live the right way, that everything will all work out and the graph for our lives will always go up to the right. Just like for Jesus. No, it doesn't look that way, does it? It didn't work that way for Jesus. Didn't work that way for his disciples. Sometimes when we do the right things, life can still be disappointing and painful. Jesus did all the right things. He went to the cross for us. Almost all of the disciples died martyred deaths except for John. And I would say that if you're going through a physical or emotional death or the death of a dream, that if I just pray and work hard, everything's going to work out, God is probably sending you angels like with Jesus, to get you through those dark times. He's sending you friends. Maybe he's sending you circumstances. You just have to keep your eyes open and your ears open to perceive the help that God is sending to you. Don't be blind. You know, there's a funny story of Jesus um, and unanswered prayer, and it leads to my final point. But let me read the passage to you. You don't need to stand. Uh, It's from the Gospel of John, chapter 8. It says this. Jesus and the disciples came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man to Jesus and begged him to touch him, meaning to heal him. He took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the village, and when when Jesus put saliva on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, can you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I can see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he looked intently, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Then Jesus sent him away to his home, saying, don't even go into the village. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So for me, this is actually one of the funniest passages in the Bible. People bring a blind man to Jesus for healing. Jesus decides to spit and put saliva on the man's eyes, lays his hands on him, which is his way to pray for healing for someone. Jesus then asks, do you see something? And the guy says, I think I see people, but they look more like trees walking. And so Jesus lays his hand on the guy again, and then the guy says his sight has been completely restored, and now he sees everything clearly. And remember in the Bible, we never get the full text of the conversation, but in my humor, I sometimes wonder if the blind man actually said to Jesus, hey, 
It's the saliva, man. If you didn't put saliva on my eyes the first time, I would have known they weren't trees walking, but you had to put spit on me, and I couldn't see clearly. It's the saliva, man. And Jesus would reply, yeah, yeah, I got to remember that the next time. I just wanted to try it this time. Sorry it didn't work. And when it says at the end of the passage, Jesus told the man not to go into the village, maybe Jesus didn't want people to see saliva on the guy's face. Now, why do I bring this story up? There's really no such thing as unanswered prayer. God answers our prayer every time. And sometimes it might be a way we don't understand, even to this modern day, like saliva on our eyes. And when a little prayer is not working out the way you want, say to yourself, I guess, Lord, it's saliva time. I can't see things clearly, even though I know you're praying for me. But God is always working to remove the blindness we might have where we don't trust our Heavenly Father. The Father's always bringing us to a place of healing and health, moving us from blindness to having uh, greater clarity. He will always take care of our loved ones. He is always asking us and our loved ones to follow him for it will make a better life here on earth. We should always ask our friends for help or healing, and we should always go to a healing service because that is how God might choose to help or heal us. Intercession is that important, as we learned last week. And people at our healing service experience his love and, yes, some physical healing or emotional. But more importantly, if we can live a life with a heavenly view and not a human view, we will be so strong and resilient And even when we're in pain and disappointment, we need to know that God weeps with us and he will bring good out of bad. Johnny Erickson Tata has spoken twice for Hawaiian Islands Ministries. And she had a movie made about her life and her books have sold millions of copies. Johnny suffered a horrible neck injury injury as a teenager after diving into a lake that left her paralyzed from the waist down, which severely also hindered uh, movement of her arms. Um, She was a painter, so she would paint with her mouth, uh, even hard even to scratch and itch, as you can imagine. And she and many others have prayed and prayed for her healing, and she has not been fully physically healed. In her book, When God Weeps, Why Our Suffering Matters to the Almighty, she wrote this as quoted in Pete Griggs' How to Pray book. She said this, as the benefits of prolonged suffering. She said, God uses suffering to purge sin from our lives, strengthen our commitment to him, force us to depend on grace, bind us together with other believers, produce discernment, foster sensitivity, discipline our mind, spend our time wisely, stretch our hope, cause us to know Christ better, make us long for the truth, lead us to the repentance of sin, teach us to give thanks in times of sorrow, increase faith, and strengthen character. And all those are the benefits of what we think is unanswered prayer. In the the midst of pain, Know God loves you and trust him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray.
Gracious God, you know what's going on in people's lives today, online or here in the sanctuary. And I know there's tremendous pain in the congregation, some of it cumulative from the pandemic. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit can speak to us in a mighty way. Just flow into us right now and give us that hope, that endurance, that produces character, and that it may produce more faith and trust in you. And so, Lord, we ask you to be more present in our lives. And when we know you're more present in our lives, indeed, we can say, be still, my soul, for God is on our side. In Christ's name, amen. And so it's so fitting that one of the two sacraments our church follows is communion. Because in the context of communion is the context of pain. And we think unanswered prayers. But our hope is that because we know the Lord died for us, that he went through extreme pain for us, we know there's a loving God who wants the best for us. And whatever pain we've gone through, this is a God who empathizes as he also knows injustice and unanswered prayer and things that didn't go the way he wanted. And so on the night when the Lord was betrayed, he had gathered his friends in an upper room, his disciples, and during, a, we believe, a, a Passover meal, he picked up a piece of unleavened bread, similar to this, not the fluffy bakery type, but unleavened bread. And after giving thanks, he then blessed it, and then he broke it. And he said to his disciples, every time you eat of this bread, do so in remembrance of me. Which reminds us that for his love for us, his body was torn apart and pierced, whipped, beaten. In the same manner, he then picked up a cup. And we think it's the third cup of the four cups during a Passover meal, which is the cup of atonement, the forgiveness of sins. And he said, every time you drink of this cup, this is the new covenant. Every time you drink of this cup, do so in remembrance of me. And it was to remind us that no matter what we have done, even unfaithfulness or forgetfulness of God or betrayal, that he would forgive our sins and want us to keep on keeping on and keep close to him. So Lord, we say to you today, you ask us to remember you in the bread and the cup, and we begin by taking the bread together. Let us receive. And in the same manner, the Lord said, please remember me when you drink of this cup. And we do remember you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. We take this in your honor. Let us take it together. Please join me in prayer. Gracious God, it is amazing to us that you would be tortured and died for us that you chose to be the sacrificial lamb that we would need so that all of our sin would be upon you on the cross and you died for our sake. Father, forgive us for the times we doubt your love. Forgive us when we want to turn away from you because of unanswered prayer. 
forgive us when we have more of a human view than a heavenly view. But today, may today be a very special day in which we reset ourselves to be as faithful as possible even when we think the answer to our prayers don't go our way. May we live with renewed fervor and faith and may your Holy Spirit we invite in us again to fill us up that we can be close to you. And now, please receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May you know deep in your heart the wonderful love and grace and mercy of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. Also, I should mention, if you want prayer, the prayer team is just through that back uh, glass doors, and they would love to meet with you and pray with you. Thank you again, those of you in line. Ahui ho. God bless you. See you next week. Bye-bye. Mahalo for joining us. Everyone experiences unanswered prayers. Today, Pastor Dan reminds us to let go of our human self-centered view and to keep a heaven-centered view of life and prayer. If you want to catch up on or listen again to previous services, visit our website, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Pres sermons on most major podcast services and on YouTube. Join First Pres for church. We meet in person and online. Services are Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. at the Ko'olau campus, 10 a.m. at the Vine in Kaka'ako, or online on the websites. And remember, when you visit the website, check out the news page to keep up with everything that's happening at First Pres. You can also sign up for emails, listen to or watch sermons, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Pres can do for you, please reach out through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Pres, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2023 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.